Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 35. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For mine eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Well, I said at the beginning that you're most welcome, especially if you're visiting. This is the time of year when the world beats a path to our lovely city and we begin to grow in numbers. It's the time when uh, some Edinburghers, as legend has it anyway, let out their houses and flats and make the killing that sees them right for the year to come. But as the world begins to descend, I don't know if you end up uh, talking as I do, that very soon after asking, where are you from, where are your roots, you find yourself apologizing for the weather. (laughs) Yesterday reminded me of that line in the Narnia stories, always winter and never Christmas. Seems odd, doesn't it, to have a Christmas reading at this time of the year. I have one standout memory of returning to steaming, sticky Cairo after a short break. I think it was towards the end of July or the beginning of stifling August. And uh, I was catching up and I was drawn into the cathedral where we were working by the sound of singing. As I walked in the door, imagine my sense of disjunction when I found it was the sound of carols. Somebody had arranged for a choir to record their CD at the tail end of July in Cairo. Here in this Christmas reading, 
Luke has us four to five weeks after Jesus' birth. It's time for the family to go public and uh, to go to the Jerusalem temple. You see it in verse 22. To present Jesus to the Lord. This son belongs to God and we thank God for his birth. We present him to God. They make the required sacrifice. They were not rich. They weren't the poorest. But in verse 24, we are reminded of the provision way back in Leviticus that you could have a simpler offering, not a a goat or a sheep, but the two birds. The reactions are where Luke wants us to look. They are fascinating. Anna, the prophetess, comes later. Simeon. Luke often does this, by the way. A woman and a man. Someone worked out that in his gospel, there are no less than 27 times when he does that. The balance and the focus is different each time. And here, the focus is on Simeon. Luke zooms in on this older man and threw him to the God who keeps his promises. And we get three dimensions of these promises as we reflect on this story. The first is this. God promised this moment, this encounter, to Simeon personally tantalizingly, and Luke does this in a few places, he doesn't tell us how Simeon knew. But Simeon had received through his devotion, through his prayerfulness, a sense of God's closeness. Luke tells us uh, three times here about the prompting and the ministry of the Spirit. The Spirit reveals to Simeon way back that he will not die until he sees this moment. And Simeon has held on to this right down his years. We're not told how he got it, but I think we can work it out as that inner conviction has grown. He has lived waiting to see this. Many people live lives waiting for the next stage, for the next step, for a promise to be fulfilled with the fear that it might not. And here on another routine day, the Spirit prompts him to go to the temple. He's not quite like Anna, who was always in a corner in the temple and ever present in the building as people come and go. But he was prompted and he obeyed that prompting and he went to the temple. And what did he find? He found the one who fulfills all that he has longed for these long years. So he bursts into song and poetry. Verse 29 to 32. Beloved of Episcopalians in their evening services for a long time. 
Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon, his waiting is over. Simeon is now released. The Savior has come. I can go in peace. Beam me up, Lord. It's enough. Are you as surprised as me by that, by the way? Uh, I'd uh, not be like Simeon. I'd be looking for more time. I wouldn't want just to fade away at this point. I wouldn't want just to go to the next stage. I'd wait for the family to go and have their celebration meal, as they would do. And, and I'd be in that temple, and I'd start the bargaining. I've had a shock, and now it's time to bargain. Lord, give me more time. I, I want to see. I want to see how this baby grows. I want to see how this child matures. I want to see how the adult emerges. I want to see how the Messiah is revealed in human personality in our world. I want to see how it goes. Wouldn't you be like him? Wouldn't you be like me? I'd want more. They say in the wealthy West that the next frontier that people are working on is death itself. Delaying it, uh, removing it if possible. It fascinates wealthy Westerners. Here, I'd have gone with that. But Simeon says, I'm ready. Time's up. It's enough. I've seen what was promised. And now I can go. I've played my part. Others will take it on from here. I'll see how it goes, but I'll see it from another angle. The waiting is done. It's time to go. It's time to let go. Very striking, isn't it? Very well worth talking about over coffee. When is it right to let go? When is it time in God's hands? When is it time to give way to others? God promised this encounter, this special moment to Simeon, and now Simeon has received it. The second dimension takes it much more widely. And as we step back and listen to Simeon's words here, we begin to appreciate the global promises that shaped Simeon's hope and the hope of his people. It's usually Matthew who's interested in the details of the Jewish law, and repeatedly he talks about fulfillment of the law. But here, in this little reading, Luke has five times where he talks about they did this according to the law, and this was the, what the law said you should do, and this was what the law provided. Uh, every family wants to do right by the kids, don't they? And they wanted to do right by the law. But the striking thing is this. For somebody like Simeon and later somebody like Anna, the law, though it be fulfilled, 
leaves them unsatisfied. They want more. Someone wrote that it it kindled in them a flame of expectancy. They're longing for more. They're longing to see. How true that is for many, many people who are religious in our world. They keep the rules. They do what's right. They try not to do wrong. They try to keep up. And though they have done right as best they can, they know there must be more. And here is more as Messiah is revealed. Simeon's been waiting, we're told, for the consolation of Israel. It's a funny phrase. It means three things. It has three angles. It goes all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible. The promise to Abraham, which was maintained in the face of many, many challenges, many, many threats to the promise. Abraham, you're going to have a family, but I can't have kids. My wife can't. I can't. Abraham, your future is going to be as many as the stars, which you can't count, but but we can't even start. And those times when Abraham says, oh, Sarah's gorgeous, but she's not really my wife, she's my sister. And you think, gosh, Abraham, what are you doing? And the risks that uh, came to the promise, you, you can follow the risks all through the story. It's extraordinary. Challenges and threats to the promise. But the promise remains. And step by step in Genesis, the promise is unfolded and revealed and provides the bedrock for the whole of Scripture. Here, secondly, the second dimension of this promise, this consolation, is the promise of the age of the Messiah coming, which Isaiah talked about. Remember how he begins chapter 40? Comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord. Console them. This is the consolation. This is the one who is coming. It's a a promise picked up by Jeremiah, reflected on by Daniel, expounded by Zechariah. It's the promise that the Messiah is coming. And more than that, thirdly, ultimately, it's the promise of rescue and renewal for the whole world. You find that throughout the Old Testament, but especially in Isaiah 56 to 66. And this promise is what Jesus grows up with. It unfolds through his life and ministry, his teaching, his suffering, his death, his resurrection. He is the servant who suffers, but is raised. And new people join the journey as the promise becomes known through the known world in New Testament times and down through the centuries all over the globe. The promise remains as we join in here. Verse 31 and 32, look at those with me. You have prepared this in the sight of all nations. A light for revelation, our translation says the Gentiles, it's the peoples. 
and the glory of your people Israel. God's salvation is going to spread to all peoples. All nations are going to hear this, including God's own special people. No wonder in verse 33, mum and dad marveled. They were just speechless at what they were hearing about their baby. Of course, they knew that their baby, every baby is special, but their baby had some particularly special circumstances, angels and shepherds and gifts and all that that we've just been reading about. But they marvel to hear what Simeon is saying as he expounds and unfolds the promise. God's purpose is being fulfilled, says Simeon, in this baby, in this child. And God's purpose cannot be prevented. No border force, no opponent can prevent its progress. What an encouragement that is to our brothers and sisters under huge pressure for being different and being Christians and following Christ in their cultures. God promised this moment specially to Simeon. God showed him and enabled him to speak about the global promise that shaped his hope. We join this journey like Simeon, like Anna, like Mary, like Joseph, as people of God's promise. And we therefore thirdly take our place as people involved in God's promise and God's purpose. Simeon's last words, let me read them to you, paint a rather darker picture, verse 34. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And Mary, a sword will pierce your heart your own soul, too. It's a very mixed blessing, isn't it? There's no guarantee how this universal offer will be received. Even after he'd grown up, the Saviour would not be immediately welcomed by the nation. Even his own family and his own people would not understand. He would not immediately drive out the occupiers and the enemy. He would not immediately liberate the city of Jerusalem. He would not immediately console Israel. He would not immediately put the whole world right. Simeon understands this pattern that Isaiah had, that there is a humbling, even sometimes a humiliation, before being lifted up. There is suffering before glory. And we who trust in Christ, 
We receive the assurance of salvation, for sure. But we face opposition and rejection, as Jesus did. Our privilege is to follow him and to suffer with him. The Messiah will be the center of storm and controversy. And his presence, his actions, his speaking will divide people immediately. And will humble their ways of thinking before they get it and before they understand. He will reveal what's going on inside people. And every mother knows something of the pain of being a mother. Simeon says, Mary, this will be like a great military sword thrust through your soul as you watch this and as you wonder what to make of it. We take our place with this pattern. I believe it's really important that we understand this pattern. Simeon is putting down markers, if you like, uh, benchmarks, uh, belays, if you're a mountain climber, uh, something fixed in the rock for you to go back to when you're not understanding what's happening or when you're feeling confused and lost. As they and we set off on the roller coaster that is following Christ, Simeon gives us this benchmark, this fixed point to take our bearings from. And it takes us back to the beginning of this encounter. The sacrifice that Mary and Joseph made shows us that putting things right between God and people has a price, a huge price. In the Old Testament world, you had to make sacrifices to give thanks, to ask for forgiveness. In a context like this, as you present your child to God. Uh, here they had the two birds. Two birds, you put your hands on them as the priest holds them so that they take your place. And then the priest wrings their necks, one of which is burned on the altar and the other flies off free to signify the effectiveness of the sacrifice. Redemption costs. Death brings life. That's the pattern that Simeon has understood and that's the pattern that his promises reveal to us. That's the pattern that we shall remember in a few minutes as we break bread, symbolizing the body of Christ given for us, as we sip red wine, symbolizing the blood of Christ poured out for us. His death is our life. Everything's changed. It is about carols in Cairo in July. It is always Christmas now and never winter. Well, There are winters, there are struggles, there are sufferings, but Messiah is here. The promise of rescue has been made and is now being delivered. And restoration 
is on the table and will one day be completely fulfilled. As we reflect on Simeon, as he surprises us in the middle of summer, as we rejoice in the God who keeps his promises, we are encouraged that with our brothers and sisters throughout time and all over the world, we are on the right lines as all our friends have experienced. And as Simeon said, would happen. Amen.